Would you turn in your Bibles with me to not the Psalms? If you were hoping that we were going to be in the Psalms again this week, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Um, but as I was thinking, um, oh, I'm sorry, let me tell you where to turn to. Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Turn to Second Timothy chapter 1. Um, you'll also find the, the passage on the back of your bulletin. Um, so there's a place there if you would like to take notes, um, you can do that. Um, it, it, since, we're, since we're kind of talking about learning, uh, we're talking about, um, you know, we've, we've been uh, discussing or praying for these men who are going to be go, doing, go to do a lot of learning here and a lot of reading um, and a lot of note-taking. Um, maybe I could say just a word about note-taking. Um, when, uh, when you're listening to a message, you, there's a couple things you could do. One is just soak it in <laughs> and just, hey, enjoy it, get what you get, and then leave, leave with whatever kind of motivation God puts on your heart. And another way to do that, and maybe in tandem with that, would be um, use, the, use the bulletin, to take some notes and jot down the things that God is speaking to you or uh, maybe things from the word that, that you, you want to remember that you probably will forget if you're like me. Uh, you'll go away thinking, I remember that was really good. I remember I, uh, something that I really liked, but uh, I don't remember the details of it. So note-taking is a good way to do that. Um, study. Second Timothy uh, 2.15 says in the King James Version, study to show yourself approved unto God. Um, do your best. Work hard at, uh, at showing yourself uh, approved unto God as a workman. Somebody who works hard. Somebody who labors. And I think that, that includes laboring with our minds too. So... You found 2 Timothy by now. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let me read aloud. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 through 14. Verses 8 through 14. I'll read it aloud as you follow along with me. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Let's pray. Father, I pray now, Give us humility. God, we come with all sorts of um, personal interests. We all come with um, uh, desires. 
we come with, God, I confess, we come with pride. And we uh, probably come knowing or having an idea of what's best for us. Lord, Lord, give us the humility to stand and sit before your word, to hear from you, to hear what's best according to you and your word. Lord, give us insight and understanding so we can know what it is that we are hearing and know what it is that we're learning and what it is that you would have us to do with it. And with that, God, I ask that you give us power, power by your Holy Spirit to walk in your ways, to obey your word. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We live in a world that has distorted or perverted truth in so many ways. Um, we've, we've been watching, um, if you will, I don't know how much of it is going on in the, in the, in the uh, mainstream news, um, but we've seen now so far about eight different um, videos coming out of Planned Parenthood. Um, what they're doing with aborted babies, um, the, the atrocity of it all. And, uh, but we live in a world where a lot of our culture is saying uh, either, well, those that, that can't really be happening on one hand or on the other hand, um, it's, it's all good because we're, we're doing research to help other people out. We're going to do this with this. We're, gonna, we're, um, we're doing some good through this evil. Um, we live in an upside-down world where truth is completely obliterated, where the, uh, the gospel itself, the good news of Jesus, is um, primarily either disbelieved or it's completely ridiculed. Like, why would you believe in something like that? Why would you believe in a God behind the entire universe? Don't you know that the world exists in, and has occurred in, by natural means and natural courses? Why would you believe in a God? Why, you might as well believe in the, the, a unicorn or uh, pink dragons, right? So go ahead and believe in those things if you're going to believe in a God behind all of this. Or, well, let's just say there is a God. Um, and maybe, maybe there, was, there is some being that kind of started it all off. But why would you believe in, uh, in all of these miraculous events that occurred in, in the Bible? All of them have a natural explanation. All of them, including the resurrection. You know, it was it probably either, either Jesus wasn't really dead, and he only appeared to be dead, and then they kind of made up all the rest of it about how he got crucified and all that stuff, or... or he rose, but only in a spiritual sense, that he really did die. Why would you believe in a miraculous occurrence like the resurrection? We get ridiculed. We got people shaking our heads at us. Or worse yet, we've got people going to God's word and distorting it, claiming to preach the good news, claiming to preach the gospel, claiming to preach the truth, but in reality distorting it for their own interests. 
it's okay. This sin is okay now. This sin is all right. In fact, I can prove it in the Bible. We, that's the kind of world we live in. And in a world like that, God's word is actually calling out to us saying, hold on to this truth. Keep, keep faithful to the gospel. Guard the deposit. Guard what has been entrusted to you. Timothy um, received this letter from the Apostle Paul at near the end of Paul's life. He's writing the last known letter, the last written evidence that we have from the Apostle Paul. And very likely what happened at the end of this letter is he signed it, he sent it off, and probably within, could be hours, days, weeks, or months, his life was ended. This was important stuff. Important stuff. This is what Paul wanted Timothy to know. And so I wanted to take a look at this passage this morning because we have men who are going off to, to get an education in these matters. And we ourselves are not called to sit idly by and say, hey, go get that education so you can be good at teaching and preaching and then you can tell us what to believe. Um, we are with them. Because we're all part of the process of learning God's Word. And all of us are responsible to guard the deposit that we've been entrusted with. So I want us to look at this in, in a turn. Let's just look through this passage. And what I, when, I, uh, when I study this passage, and when I study every passage, I try to look for what's the, what is the big thing, the, the main thing that that the author here wants us to, to know about. What is his emphasis? Um, there are so many things going on here, and, and especially in Paul's letters. He's, he, he doesn't want Timothy to be ashamed. He, he wants him to share in suffering. He wants him to follow the pattern of the sound words. He wants him to guard the good deposit. But the whole thing revolves around God's good news in Christ. In fact... He, he says it in verse 9. He called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. The entire, this entire section revolves around this idea that because of God's grace to us in Christ Jesus, we must guard the deposit, which is the gospel. What is it about this grace that, that calls us to guard the gospel, to guard the deposit in such a way? And that's what I, I want us to look at. I, I want us to look at three things. And the first one is that because of grace, share your lives. And especially for, um, this is a reminder to me, and it's a reminder of any one of us who who, who sense a calling to be part of the, the body of Christ. To share your lives with others. Look what, look what Paul says in verse 8. He, he begins with, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But look what he says next. But share in suffering 
for the gospel by the power of God. Share in suffering is the specific phrase that Paul uses. The idea there, there's a couple ways that could also be translated. Share in suffering could also be translated suffer together. Suffer together. Or it could also, another way I've seen it translated in a, by a commentator was co-suffer. Co-suffer. Suffer together. Share. Share in this experience. Share in this life that we live. God's grace actually compels us to live life together. That's what, that's what he's talking about. It, think about this. If we share in suffering with somebody, what else are we probably sharing with them? We're probably sharing in joy. We're probably sharing in hospitality. We're probably sharing in a lot of things. We don't just automatically share in suffering with somebody if we haven't shared in the, re- in the regular rhythms of life. Paul said in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he said, I, we did not just share uh, the gospel with you, but we, we shared our very lives with you. And, and we suffered along with you. We shared our lives with you. We did life together. We spent time together. Elsewhere, Paul says, um, to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn, to rejoice with those who rejoice. God's grace compels us to live life together. God's grace allows us to suffer without shame as well. Because it, it would have been very easy for Timothy to disassociate himself with Paul the prisoner. I don't know how many of you have friends or family who have experienced incarceration. I have. And it's really easy for two things to happen. One, for them to pull away because they're ashamed of it. And two, we don't talk about that uncle. <laughs> we don't talk about that sibling or that cousin. Um, in fact, we don't spend much time with them because of what they went through. It would have been even more shameful in Paul and Timothy's time <laughs> to be associated with a prisoner who was in many cases, lower than a slave would have been in that society. There were plenty of things for, for Timothy to be ashamed of in that sense, in that culture. But he says, share with me. I'm suffering. Identify with me. Identify with those who are suffering. Um, reach out to them. Associate with them. Because I'm suffering for Christ. What did Jesus say in Mark 8.38? He said that if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, then I will be ashamed of him before my Father. I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't want to put myself in, the, in a position, in a situation where Jesus, the Son of God, is ashamed to speak my name before the Father. I don't want to be in that situation. The reason why he said that was not, was not to, to guilt us into something in the kingdom. The, the, the reason why he said that is because he promised us that God's grace is greater than suffering and even death. 
God's grace and what God gives us, the reward we have for our suffering for Christ, is far greater, far greater than the suffering that we can experience now or even death itself. But he also says, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. The testimony is the good news. The testimony is God's word, uh, the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel itself. Don't be ashamed to tell people. Don't be ashamed to reveal uh, your relationship with Christ. In a sense, in a sense, he's calling us to um, participate with Christ and his suffering. As we identify with the gospel, as we identify with others who are serving and others who are suffering, as we do this life together, as we share our lives together in such a way, we actually participate with Christ in His suffering. Colossians 1.24, our discipleship group looked at that not, not too long ago. And uh, as we looked at that, we pondered, what does it mean that, that Paul rejoices in his sufferings for the sake of the church he says, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, that is, the church. He is suffering and he's identifying with Christ and almost in a sense completing Christ's suffering so that there's a visible witness of it. That was Paul's experience. That was to be Timothy's experience as well. When Paul told him, when Paul told him not too far later into this letter, he said, he said, uh, continue, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry, I just lost it. <laughs> he said it in uh, chapter 3. Um, you know... You know my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me. And then he goes on and he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Boy, that's, that's, is that an encouraging word? Come to Christ. Come follow Jesus and you'll get persecuted. Is that, is that the aspect of the gospel that maybe we're a little bit ashamed to, to talk about? Maybe we're, maybe we're ashamed to, to reveal that aspect of it. We want to talk about the good things, how God will change your life, how God will transform you, how everything will be wonderful and better, and how God gives us a richer, fuller, abund more abundant life. But then we're afraid to talk about Christ's sufferings and how we're called to identify with his sufferings. We share life together. The, the, I, I thought about this um, story that um, Jeff Vanderstelt, who is a pastor over in Tacoma, shared. Um, he's shared multiple times. I, I've heard it in a couple different contexts, but he shared the story of, of his missional community and how they reached out to a, a, a man in their neighborhood who was um, never, it was never for the church, never... Never for Jesus, um, but gradually they 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 kept reaching out to him and kept engaging him as a neighbor, 
um, showing kindness to him, inviting him over. Why don't you come over? We're gonna. Um, my my friends and I we're having a um, we're having dinner. We're gonna have this thing. We're got this going on. Come on over and and spend some time with. Share 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 your life with us. And gradually he he started to come around. He started to get a little more involved and. And eventually he said, you know, maybe I, maybe I will show up to one of your services that you have. And um, he did and came to an Easter service where they were gathering. And he, Jeff preached the word. He preached about Christ's death and resurrection. And at the end of it, I remember him saying this, his friend just kind of sat there. And he's just like, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know how to respond. And so Jeff's like, okay. And just let you, you know, let you process that. And he connected with them later in the week. And the guy decided, you know, maybe I, maybe I will start coming to your gathering that you have in your home. And, and I'll, I'll check this stuff out. And, and then he eventually said, you know, I feel like maybe I, ought to, um, maybe I ought to start giving my money, you know, to, you know, your church and, you know, the stuff that you got going on. And Jeff's like, yeah, that'd be great. Go ahead. And and then the guy's like, well, maybe I should, maybe I should start going to your Sunday thing like every week from now on. And um, the 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 gist of the story was, all they did was they shared their lives together. They shared some good times. They shared some difficult times. They shared Jesus with him. And eventually, the man came to recognize the truth in Christ, and he. I think it was one day he just said, you know, I think I believe all the things that you believe. And Jeff's like, well, do you believe this? Yeah, I believe that. Do you believe this? Yeah, I believe that. Well, man, you're, you're, you're a believer. You've, God's transformed your heart. It wasn't a, an instant moment of, you know, altar call experience and, and one-time deal. It was life on life. Sharing life. Leading to the gospel. And that's what, that's what, Paul's getting to next. Because of grace, he says, because of grace, share the gospel. Share the gospel. After talking about uh, sharing and suffering, he says, for the gospel, and he talks about the power of God, God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. The, the, the power, let me back up here. God's grace helps us to share the gospel by giving us boldness, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God's grace empowers us with the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God. And then going down to uh, who saved us and called us to a holy kind, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. God's grace is the reason for us to share. God's grace is the reason. It's God's purpose that's being accomplished in us. The reason for us to share. Um, because, because of his own purpose and grace. And in verse 11, Paul reiterates it. And he says, For which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. God's grace is the reason that we share. God's grace is centered also on the death and resurrection of Christ. Look with me at verse 10. God, or Paul writes this, And which... Now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. When did he appear? He appeared in his earthly existence. To do what? Who abolished death 
and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. God's grace is centered on the death and the resurrection of Christ. Uh, he abolished death. He brought life. God's grace also allows us to share again, if I can reiterate this, without shame, which is what, what Paul says in verse 12. He says, that's why, it's because of the grace of the gospel, that's why I suffer as I do. And he said, I am not ashamed. Why? Why is he not ashamed? He gives the reason. For I know whom I have believed. He knows God's character, His nature. He knows who God is. He knew, he knew God from childhood Himself. Paul, growing up as a, as a good Jewish boy and then being trained in the Old Testament Scriptures, he knew exactly who God was. He knew of His character. He knew of His faithfulness. He knew of His uh, ability to save. And that's what he says next. He says, and I am convinced that he is able. God has the power. He believed and he was assured of God's nature and of God's power. But it's God's grace through and through as he marvels at the calling of God, how he marvels at the the predestination, if I could even use that term, that, that God uh, called him according to his own purpose, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And, he's, and I think Paul probably marvels at, at that, just as all of us should, to even think about how in the world could God call us before the ages began, before uh, time eternal. How could he do that? How could God know me? How could God call me? How could God have a purpose and a plan all laid out for my life? How could God have anticipated all that happened? And how could God work in such a way to bring me to a point of salvation? Paul marvels at that. and He says this grace, this grace that is in Christ is worth sharing. And we ought to share. And we ought not to be ashamed of it. Because we can trust it. Because we know God's character. And because we know His power. And His ability to, what He says, to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. If you, I'm reading out of the ESV. The ESV gives us a, a handy text note to that phrase, what has been entrusted to me. It literally is, my deposit. My deposit. God is able to guard until that day my deposit. Well, what is, is it his life that he's deposited in God's hand? Or is it my deposit, the, the gospel that Paul has received from God that now he's holding on to and he's trusting God for? I think it might be a little bit of both. But what if we were eager as eager to share this message, this good news, as we are to share, oh, I don't know, on social media, <laughs> to share our pictures, our selfies. No, none of you ever take selfies, right? Oh, my daughter's, you know. Uh, um, 
What if we were as eager to share this good news as we are to share a whole lot of other things? We're, we're, we're very eager to share all kinds of things in our lives, whether it's on social media or in some other, other context. We want to share good news about this. We want to share news about that. We want to share how this happened and how my children did this and how my husband or my wife did this and how I, I went to this place or went to that place or how I'm eating this really lame plate of food. I'm going to take a picture of it and put it on the internet anyway. We are eager to share. What if we were that eager to share the gospel? What if we were that eager to share the gospel? Because of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, we ought to share our lives with each other. We ought to share the gospel with others as well. Because of God's grace, though, see if we can bring it home. Maybe a little more, per maybe a little more personal than that. Because of God's grace, we live the gospel. And before you, before you start splitting hairs with me, what I mean by that is, what if we, or because of God's grace, God's grace, we must live our lives in light of the gospel. So that the gospel infiltrates every aspect of our lives. I was, um, this whole last couple of weeks, we have been dealing with, um, an air conditioning problem in our home. And so it's been like, um, we had, we had the, the unit in our uh, window for a while and that was going, and then it started to cool off and we thought, well, let's take that out. And I had to leave for a couple of nights and I'm like, I don't want to leave that in there and the house is a little less secure <clears throat> there. So I, I pulled it out. I closed up the window again so it could all lock up. But as we were doing this stuff, and dealing with windows and shades and things like that, I real, began to realize that there are some, some parts of our, of our house where if the windows are open, we've got a lot of light in here. But there are other parts of the house that, for whatever reason, don't have as many windows. <laughs> and I'm like, why is that? Why did they just put another window right here and then we'd have a little more light during the day? But there are places in our homes... And there are probably places in our hearts where the light doesn't shine very brightly or at all, if we're honest. Are we honest about that? What if we allowed the light of the gospel to shine into every area of our lives? I think that's what Paul is trying to, trying to get Timothy to understand and I think he's trying to get us to understand too. God's grace is shown in others, excuse me, our, God's grace in others shows us the way to live, which is why Paul says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. So, as these men go off to seminary, they are going to hear sound words from other men and women. They are going to hear those sound words and then they are going to pass them on to others. Just as Timothy heard sound words from Paul, and he has now been entrusted to pass them on to other people. Just as in verse, excuse me, 
Chapter 2, verse 2, he says, What you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The sound words or the healthy words, they get passed on generation by generation. Paul's example, he said in, to the Philippians, he said, follow my example. Follow my example, the example that you have in me and that you have in others who have been faithful to the gospel. That's God's grace in our lives. When we see how the light of the gospel has shown in other people's lives and how they have fought sin, how they have battled addiction, how they have put their faith and their trust in God, how they have practiced repentance. And we see that example and we say, I'm going to follow that example in others. And then he says, it's not just an example. Don't just choose any example, but choose an example of somebody who is following sound words, the pattern of sound words. Another way of saying that, and, and it's in the text note, is healthy words. Healthy words. Words that will bring life. Words that will bring life. They're not only, uh, they're not only good words, they're not only correct words, true words, but they're actually words that bring life to a sick world and a sick soul. And every one of us started out with a sick soul that is being treated by the gospel. And you think about it that way. The sound words of God's gospel and of the Bible are the treatments that we are receiving for our soul. My uncle, excuse me, not my uncle, my father-in-law, excuse me, my father-in-law has been receiving treatments for his cancer for a year and a half now. And probably, I mean, the reality is that cancer will never go away. It will just be treated until the day he dies. And it's the same thing with the sickness in our souls. It's the same thing with sin. Sin, we, have you ever wondered why, why do I still battle with sin? <laughs> why do I still keep screwing up? Why do I mess up? Why do I make mistakes? I thought God saved me from this. I thought I was supposed to have victory over this. Every day we go back to the gospel. Every day we go back to the healthy words that are, that are a treatment for the cancer that is in our souls. Every day. And he says, hold on to them. Follow them. Keep to them. Keep to them. But he's, he says, we're not alone in doing that. He says, God's grace, though, provides us resources for living in light of the gospel. He says, do it. Follow the pattern of the sound words in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. As we look to Christ, Christ is our treatment. <laughs> Christ is our antidote. Christ is the, provides us the faith and the love. He provides us with the power, as we looked at earlier, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit is the next thing he says. The Holy Spirit who dwells within us. He provides us with the with the resources that we need to live in light of the gospel. And this gospel life that we're called to live, remember what he said? Verse 9. I'm going to go back to that. 
who saved us and called us to a holy calling. The calling that is on our life by God's grace is a holy calling. You know, have you ever called up a friend? We don't do that much anymore. Have you ever texted a friend and say, what do you say? What's up, totes? You know, um, LOL. I guess no one uses Are people not using LOL anymore? I heard that. Um, anyway, so you send a message to a friend, or, you call, or back in my day, you would call somebody and pick up the phone and you'd, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I just thought I'd, just thought I'd touch base with you, just give you calls. I haven't heard from you for a while. Talk a little bit. All right, sounds good. Good to see you. All right, talk to you later. That's not the calling he's talking about. <laughs> That's not the calling that Paul is talking about. The holy calling is a calling to something. It's a call to action. It's, it's, our, it's our Washington National Guard and California National Guard and Minnesota or wherever else they've come from sitting by the phone and they got the call. Hey, Yep, okay, gotcha, alright, I'll be there. You, they got the call. The firefighters got the call. The disaster relief, nor, the Northwest Baptist disaster relief got the call. They've been waiting for the call. Okay, it's a call to action. It's a call to get out there and get in the fight. That's the holy calling. That's the call to live out the gospel in your lives. It is, a, it is an on-call experience. It's not, a, it's not a once, I called you, had a good conversation, touched base with God, we're good, God, I'll, I'll see you next week. It is a call to live every day in light of the gospel of God. Because of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, live, live your life in light of the gospel. Don't settle for the standards and the patterns of the world. Consider the pattern of sound words. Don't settle for anything less than that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your heart and your mind. We talked about that already earlier. Keep your heart and your mind in God's Word, in the Bible. Practice as difficult as it is. Practice repentance. That means, that's just the, that's just the biblical way of saying, I know I'm jacked up. I know I've got problems in my life and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make I'm going to come clean. I'm going to confess them. I'm going to confess them to the people in my discipleship group or maybe in my missional community or with a trusted believer or with a pastor or whatever. Practice repentance. That would have been consistent with Paul's pattern where he he freely acknowledged, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. What's my problem? Woe is me. I'm a, I'm a sinful man. But praise be to God for his grace in Christ Jesus. That was his testimony. That was his example. Keep your eyes on Jesus and worship God for his greatness, for his glory, for his grace. This message... It's not about doing more. It's not about being better. It's not about sharing the gospel more. It's about keeping our eyes on the grace 
that is in Christ Jesus and letting him transform every area of our lives. Whether we suffer for it or not, we're not ashamed. Whether, whether it means that we follow God's call to uh, missionary, missionary work or planting a church or pastoring, church, uh, pastoring a, a church or, or simply leading our family or, or leading our children to Christ. Depending on the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus to do all of the above and all that God asks us. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you will do the work. Do the work in us that we need to be done. Father, may we have may we have a greater sense of the grace that is in Jesus. God, <laughs> this passage says that you call you saved us and you called us not because of our works. It is not because of anything that we have done, but it's because of your purpose and your great grace. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Lord, I, I pray that, um, God, you will do a work in our hearts for each one of us to share our lives with each other, to share the gospel with others around us, to live in light of the gospel. God, that is our, that is our calling this morning to, to be faithful. And that, that's the way forward for us to guard the gospel in our, in our lives and in our churches and our families. Father, we cannot do that alone. We, we cannot. We will, we will mess it up. We will distort it. We will leave something out without your Holy Spirit to help us, without your grace to help us. So God, let us keep our minds and our hearts on you and your son Jesus. Lord, we pray it all in his name. Amen.